There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Security Insecure, the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifert and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. My guest this week you will know as a sensational ice skater and partner to Ken Setanay, Brian McFadden and last year's winner Joe Swash on Dancing on Ice. Away from the show, she's become an ice skating presenter with her own YouTube series, Celebs Go Skating. But whilst her career has been getting bigger and bigger on the ice, during her life she has skated on thin ice, suffering with a stroke age 24. And the recovery that goes alongside that. Talk about her insecurities and why she is our leading ice skater in the UK. That's right, move over Torben and Dean. There's a new ice queen in town. I'm delighted to say here to break the ice, Alex Murphy joins me on Secure the Insecure. Hello, Alex. Thank you. <laughs> uh, do you know, it is such an honour to have you. The amount of love I've had on Instagram over the past couple of days since saying that you were coming up on the podcast, you're loved by everyone. Oh, that is so nice to hear. To be honest, it's nice to hear that during this time and there's a massive you know, global pandemic going on, so it always feels nice to hear that people like you. <laughs> oh, 100%. Well, look, I want to break the ice with you and kind of get all the way back to the beginning of your life because you were born in Boston and I think that's interesting that you know you're an ice skater from Boston yet we know you as a celebrity coach on Dancing on Ice and obviously as a presenter now so let's go back to your childhood what was that like for you growing up? Oh wow so my mom's actually an ice skating coach which is so funny um so she's had me on the ice since I was in diapers. It was just the natural progression. You know, it became daycare. It was a bit of babysitting for me. Um, and I ended up skating competitively as a teenager all the way up until my senior year of high school. And then I was going to go to school um, to the University of Miami down in Florida where it's, like, nice and hot. And I was going to quit skating completely and study broadcast journalism and more or less presenting. Um, and I ended up getting picked up by Disney on Ice. So I did – three years with Disney on ice. And then I transferred over to cruise ships and I did five years on cruise ships. And then I went over to the Dutch version of dancing on ice and we actually won. So I was pushed onto another series of shows. So ultimately I I thought I was going to be an ice skater of, you know, a competitive slash professional ice skater for six months to a year. And it's now been 15 years, which is nuts. (laughs) God, there's so much in there that we need to unpick. Disney on ice, one of my favorite shows that I actually got to see just before lockdown. Let's go back then to the ice skating. So obviously, as you said, your mum was an ice skating coach and we know ice skating, especially here in the UK, as an association with Christmas. So, you know, Christmas comes along, the ice rinks open and people go on the ice once or twice a year and that's it done you know they might go to winter wonderland for example what was it about ice skating and being on the ice rink that meant for you i'm not just going to do this once not going to do it twice but i'm actually going to keep practicing weekend after weekend and even though my mum does it as a career i myself want to be part of this 
Yeah, so my mom always tells the story that when I was six years old, I came home for dinner, and I sat down, and I said, I, I would like a private lesson. And my mom said, oh, amazing. That's, you know, we had been in group lessons. And I said, no, Mom, not with you. Like, I wanted my own private lesson with my own coach without, that wasn't my mother. And she always said that's when she kind of knew that I was going to take this on more seriously. And they never pushed me into doing anything that I didn't want to do. But I showed that they ended up sending me to from my mom's local ice rink to the training facility in Boston, the Skating Club of Boston. And then slowly from there, I just, you know, I think I'm quite a competitive person and I really, I, I have a drive to compete. And I think that that was my driving force ultimately. But um, when it came down to it, I just, I love to perform and I couldn't, I couldn't get enough of it. So I would do well in competition, but I did really well in ice shows. So the minute a show came around and I was able to be in a nice show, that was my, my shining moment. And I just, I, I couldn't give it up. I played basketball. I played um, soccer, you know, football for you guys for years. I played all through high school until I was 18. And then I just, there was something about skating that just let me be myself, I felt, a lot. So I just stayed in it for forever. I never thought that I'd make a career out of it. And I never thought that I'd you know, turn it into a profession that it was a, a career that I continued to do into my 30s. I mean, I'm going to be 33 next week. <laughs> no, you're not. You don't look a day over 21, Alex. <laughs> oh, you're sweet, because I am going to be 33 next week. <laughs> God. Well, look, you said that ice skating and it was that competitiveness. Look, 14 years old, you were the US figure skating double gold medalist. That's incredible. Yeah, I, I trained for a really long time and I took all of my skating tests and I was really young at the rink, but I actually, it's a long story, but I had a stomach condition that was making me sick every time I skated and I didn't want to quit competing. So I decided I was going to become a double gold medalist and I took all of my tests and I, um, I ended up being the youngest one at my skating club to pass it. All the kids were a lot older than me. Passed all my tests, became a double gold medalist, and then decided, okay, well, where can I take this now? And I, on a whim at 16, I auditioned for Disney on Ice. And then I got the call before I went off to college. I got the call saying, we'd love to have you. When can you leave? And that was it. God. And Disney on Ice <laughs> must have just been so magical because for a lot of kids, there's two things. There's seeing a Christmas pantomime where they see the theatre for the first time. And then they're seeing Disney on ice. And the yeah. magic, firstly, of Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and, you know, Elsa obviously wouldn't have been around when you were doing it, but Elsa from Frozen, there's that. Then there's the magic of the lights and the incredible dancing on the ice as well. For kids, they'll never forget that, even with their little wavy, wandy things that they have. <laughs> you know, it is. And even as a kid, like, you know, I remember my mom taking me to see it, and I never thought that I would be good enough to get onto a Disney on ice. And then when I got, when I did get accepted to Disney on ice, I realized that you're almost responsible. You're like a responsible part of these children's childhood. So Disney on ice is such a big part of, of I think, honestly, who I became as an adult. Cause I was only 17, 18 when I went there. And then I had those three years and I was, I played Martha in high school musical. Um, and that was a huge thing for me to, you, you basically, you have these children that think that you are the characters themselves. So you're responsible for how 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 good of a time they have and what they b end up believing, if that makes sense. You can't kill the Disney magic. So I learned a lot on Disney on Ice. That really shaped me, I would say, as, as a late teenager to young adult. Go a bit further with that. What about that role as Martha Cox in High School Musical shaped you? We obviously know Martha uh, as Casey Stroh in the film version, and she was kind of part of the gang, but wasn't like 
really in the gang, if that makes sense. You know, she wasn't Troy or Gabriella, but she was very important to the overall show. What about that role made it really vital for you growing up? I think, to be honest, I really related to her. Um, she was this, this role of Martha was this really, you know, she was heavier than the other girls and she, but she could dance and she was like this star dancer however she didn't really fit in because she was a bit of a geek and she was a bit heavier and I had had some struggles with my skating when I was younger with coaches telling me you know you're too big you're too big and then I went to the shows and I was told that as well you know you look too much you're on Disney on ice but you you unfortunately look too much like a woman you have boobs and a butt and we are casting to make you look like a little girl so you can't have these roles it doesn't matter if you're not if you're the best one you can't have these roles so I think when I got the spot of Martha I was it's a bit offensive I actually I actually wore padding to make myself bigger in the show and I remember being like this is such an amazing role this is such an empowering like girls empowerment when people find out that you're Martha they remember that you were Martha and I wore I remember a, a dark brown curly wig and I remember saying I'm actually a curly haired girl stuck in straight hair girl's body this is actually my alter ego my alter ego is martha <laughs> so all my girlfriends still like my girlfriends from disney on ice will be like oh hey martha they still refer to me as it which is too funny it, it's funny to an extent and not to knock it but when you went home did you see yourself as martha or were you alex were you getting body insecurities because of the role because you are now going well look i'm martha so I can be big and I can be proud and therefore I'm either going to pile on the way or I know now that there's nothing I can do about staying normal and having an amazing career. I actually need to lose weight exponentially to stick in this industry, which is dog eat dog. Yeah, to be honest, when I went to Disney on Ice, you know, you get weighed in every two weeks on Disney on Ice and they never... I was never bullied into it, but I was also highly suggested to continue to lose weight. So I did lose quite a bit. You know, I was just a teenager, so I, I didn't know anything about nutrition. I ended up getting my sports nutrition like degree um, on an online class years later because I was just quite interested in it. But my nature is I'm five foot four. The majority of girls that are ice skaters are less than five feet or five foot one maximum, and they all get thrown around. And I wasn't in the size or the shape to be picked up and thrown around. So I remember I went to Disney on Ice, and I had a good time there, but it was quite stressful because it was shaping my career of, you know, you are, you're the big girl, so get used to being the big girl, and you're always going to be the big girl on the ice shows. And then I went to the cruise ships after that, and they didn't weigh me in, but they accepted my skating skills for what they were, which was also really empowering because I would get there, and I was just Alex Murphy from Boston, Massachusetts that was a skater on cruise ships, and it didn't matter what size I was as long as I was a good skater. And that was actually a moment when I was like, well, all I really care about is my health. Um, and then I think we we face it as skaters all the time. You know, I'm five foot four, and I decided that no matter what size I was, I was going to become a pair skater. And that is really like that was hard. Everyone was like, "You'll never become a pair skater. It doesn't matter what you think you're you're going to do. Your body type is not right to be a pair skater. You can lose all the weight in the world, but you'll still be five foot four. You'll never ever be a pair skater." And I actually after five years on the road as a soloist, I switched to becoming a pair skater full time, and it's like one of the best things I ever did it led me to dancing on ice and that was it so if you could go back to those times when you're auditioning for Disney on ice and you're having your weigh-ins what would you tell yourself in that moment knowing that you were going to get to the level that you wanted to be at oh god I wish I would just like lighten up a bit to be honest you know my first my first audition with Disney on ice I was 16 years old 
and they bring you into the rink and you can skate beautifully and they and you know that's amazing they're happy with that but the first thing they do is they put you on a freight scale so you know those little those big freight scales have you ever seen them where like you weigh boxes yep essentially you're on a freight scale and i was standing there and and I was like, I understand why they had to do it because everyone has to have a certain size, a certain shape. The costumes are so expensive. So basically one girl needs, needs to take the spot of another girl if she was injured or if, you know, she decided she didn't want to be on the show anymore. She, she didn't make it. So basically you had to fit a role and everyone fits a role in this skating industry. And I think that that is the hardest part about, about skating is knowing that taking yourself out of the equation and saying, this isn't against me. This is against a role I'm about to play. I am playing Martha. I am playing Sharpay. I am playing Mickey Mouse, whoever you are. And this is a role that I'm going to take over. This isn't Alex Murphy. And it's okay to be Alex Murphy outside of the show. So that was something I did struggle with for a few years. But then once I think I figured it out, I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. I am me outside of the show. And it doesn't matter. But, you know, I, I keep my weight down and I diet and I take care of myself because I want to continue to be Martha or I want to continue to play another role. You know, it was it was tough for, as a teenager. So it's a quite a different upbringing, I would say. Well, it's your definitive years. You know, you're yeah. so worried about the way you're being judged. Your body shape is changing anyway through puberty mm-hmm. that any little thing will just trigger you into going to an extreme length. Did it lead to an eating disorder or did you manage to balance it of just healthy eating and dieting? Because you're obviously losing a lot of weight ice skating anyway because of the amount of work you're doing to your body to just move yourself all the time. Yeah, you know, I would say I dipped in and out. I had my moments where I was not healthy and I wasn't losing the weight healthily. And um, it's not something I'm proud of, if I'm honest. Um, and I, I just remember I had friends on the show that I was on and I had dropped a lot of weight. And I remember my friend saying to me, you don't need to become a role on Disney on ice to be good, as, to be a good skater. And then that was the last thing. And, you know, I, I came out of it and I realized, you know, this is not the type of person I want to be. And so I, I created another Alice Murphy and I went to the cruise ships and the cruise ships was incredible. And they taught me, so many amazing things about skating and my skating skills improved and I wasn't worried about my weight and then from there when I went to the Dutch dancing on ice I actually hadn't ever done pairs I had just you know played around with a couple friends and my first ever overhead like big lift was with a six foot four Dutch man that had never skated before in his life (laughs) so you know it's just I think my life has gone in succession but I've been really really lucky and I've had a really great support system around me but I can easily see why girls lose the confidence and why they second guess themselves and why they make poor decisions to to continue to stay at the top of their game 100% 100% so you mentioned the cruise ships there cruise ships which the productions let's be honest those productions mm-hmm. are west end broadway level and they are so good i look forward to them so <laughs> much every time i go on a cruise every other year other than obviously during a pandemic they're the best things. It's why I go on a cruise ship is to watch those productions. What was it like staying on a cruise ship? Did you get to enjoy the cruise ship or were you... Because I watched Below Deck. Have you, have you seen Below Deck? <laughs> I've only seen a little bit of it, but I feel like it's different because they're on yachts and we're on cruise ships with 5,000 people. So it's like a city within a city, if that makes sense. So, you know, you're on a cruise ship with 5,000 people, 3,000 of which are um, passengers and like maybe, what, 2,000, 1,500, whatever, of are crew people as well as you know you've got bar staff as well as security as well as you know captain and then it goes all the way down to 
the Adventure Ocean team that's taking care of children. And then you're one of 10 skaters. So it, it's quite different. It's very bizarre to be able to to, be able to get into cruise ships. I always felt was a huge honor because you were one of 10 skaters. And I was one of these three solo girls. And there's only 10 ships running at a time. So at one point, there's only 30 girls that could get your spot. And I remember thinking, you know, this is such a killer career. Um, but it was really hard because you were in a small little room that you shared with a roommate, and it's a bit like Groundhog's Day. You go from port to port, and things start to lose their their luster. You know, you forget. You're like, oh, I'm in Mexico today. I think about that now. I'm like, God, wouldn't it be amazing to be in Mexico today? <laughs> you know, you, you don't think about it when you're there after six months on that cruise ship. You know, you forget what it was like. But I loved cruise ships. I had such a great time on it, and it was some of the – like best memories I've had. I would say some of the best skating I've ever done because I, I was challenged when I was there. And it must make such a difference as well that you've got people coming from all over the world to see you. And it's not that they're there to judge you. They just want to enjoy themselves. You know, they've indulged on the most amazing food. They now want to just sit back, relax and enjoy a show. They're not there to judge you and not to critique you. Exactly. The cruise ship crowds are incredible. People love, love to see skating because it's a shock. I see people when they would walk into the rink and they call all the ice rinks um, Studio B. So people would walk into this ice rink and it, it, you walk in and then you kind of go down these stairs and they're like, oh, it's cold in here. And they forget that it's real ice. You know, the ice weighs like eight tons or something and it's in the middle of the ship. So it's so it's so interesting. I remember the first time I saw it, I almost like I, I my jaw was on the floor because I was like, oh, my God, there's an ice rink, but we, we are on a moving ship. And the ship moves and it lifts and it goes from side to side and you have to adjust your skating. But people are baffled by it. They're so impressed by the ice show. And it's, it's nice. You feel really um, you feel really lucky to be there. Well, that's the thing about cruise ships is that they can create a world within a world. It doesn't matter yeah. where you are in the world. On that ship, that vessel, you can create a world. I remember I was on the Holland America cruise a couple of years ago and it looked like Paris. You know, literally down an atrium, yeah. down a little corridor. It was literally made to look like Paris. Then there was a comedy club. And there was a Chinese restaurant and it was all so authentic. And there was an ice, the ice kingdoms where you drink out yeah. of the little shop glasses. It's incredible what you can do on a cruise ship. I know. It's an, it's an entire city. I used to say like it's, a, it's a, in its own city, but also the crew is also its own city within the city. You know, like it's so bizarre. And, and to be part of a crew of something like that is definitely like a life-changing experience. Cruise ships were definitely a life-changing experience for me and I loved it. And I, you know, I didn't leave the cruise ships until I decided to do other shows, to do Dancing on Ice and come over here for um, the show up in Blackpool called Hot Ice. And I just kind of fell in love with the UK. <laughs> well, we are so glad you came here. But before we get there, before we talk about Dancing on Ice and obviously your relationship, let's talk about what happened to you in 2012. You were 24 years old and you suffered with a stroke, which... At that age, at the time of your life where you were career-wise and how you'd gone, as we've already discussed, being an ice figure skating champion at 14 years old, working on Disney on Ice, working on a cruise ship, it all stopped. You had to reevaluate your life at that point. Yeah, you know, that was a really, that was a crazy time. I was on cruise ships um, and I was, I remember my parents had actually like just left the week before, a couple weeks before, um, and I was in... Tenerife we were docking in Tenerife we were about to dock in Tenerife so we were at sea that day um, and I skated in the ice show and I had 10 days left on my contract I was leaving in 10 days I'd been on that ship for nine months at this point and I was like I'm done I'm going home we're crossing from the transatlantic crossing over to Florida and I 
skated in the ice show and the new cast was there to take our spots and we were all getting ready to go home. And I actually, I just had a stroke. I got off the ice, the show finished and I sat down and I went to take my skate off and I realized that like my foot was a bit tingly and I, I tried to untie my skate and I, I couldn't. My right hand wasn't functioning to untie my skate. So backstage, there's all these costume racks. You take your costume off and you know, you hang it up on the rack and everybody's responsible for their own thing. So I went to take my costume off and I hung it on a hanger and I went to lift the hanger and put it on the rack and I couldn't lift my right arm to put it onto the rack. So I went into the toilet and I looked at myself in the mirror and I just remember I didn't know who I was. I had no clue who was staring back at me and my right hand was so numb um, that I couldn't, I couldn't function. So I started to bang my hand against this porcelain sink that was in this bathroom and everyone obviously heard me. And a friend of mine opened the door and said, Allie, what's wrong? And I completely collapsed. And I wasn't able to speak. They, they wheeled me down to the um, hospital ward, which luckily for me was right underneath the ice rink. They took my skates off of me. They covered me with a towel. And they, they wheeled me down. And they laid me down flat. And I wasn't speaking. And they gave me shots of Valium. And ultimately, Valium put me to sleep. But... When I woke up again, they, they had to give me another shot of Valium because I still wasn't speaking. And the Valium, luckily, has a blood thinner in it, and a stroke is a blood clot to your brain, and it broke up the blood clots to my brain and basically, you know, allowed me to survive because I wasn't able to walk or speak or anything. It was horrible. It was, it was terrible. It was a terrible time in my life. And then I was landed from the cruise ship to a hospital in Tenerife, and no one was my age. Everyone was, like, 70. Um, and they kept me there for nine days while they did some tests and then ultimately flew me back home to Boston or no, sorry, not to Boston, to Florida, where my mother flew down from Boston to meet me. My mom and dad came down and I had emergency heart surgery like less than two weeks after. So I had heart surgery when they eventually found out that I had a hole in my heart that had caused the stroke um, that led to the blood clot. And I had emergency heart surgery in Miami. And then three and a half weeks later, I flew to to the Netherlands to do Dancing on Ice. <laughs> oh, my God. Your parents, first of all, I don't know, I know how they can deal with that. You know, they've got their daughter who's 24 years old who, as much as you are an adult and you've been independent and you've been on your own really for eight years already, you're in another country. They can't get to you. It's also their daughter that's going through absolute hell that they wouldn't wish on anyone. I, I don't know what to say I know, to you, Alex. To be honest, I think about it, and it's my parents that still make me cry. When I think about that, the phone call that they had to get in the middle of the night, like it, that is literally the one thing that gets me. Obviously, I know I'm very lucky, and I was fine, and I came out from it, but that phone call at 3 a.m. or whatever time it was that they must have gotten saying, your daughter is, you know, there's a massive time change, saying your daughter has had a stroke, she can't speak, She's gonna, we're going to land her, and we're taking her right to a hospital. It's just I couldn't imagine and, you know, my mom and dad stayed in touch with me. But back then, we didn't have phones that you could have, like, an international plan. So I, I was on my phone, and I was emailing my mom. Like, it wasn't like I could just call her freely. And I, I actually credit the fact that I was emailing to my mother with, you know, how Apple text re, redoes your text for you. I credit that fact to the reason why I can still read and write today and why my reading and writing came back as quickly as it did because I was getting autocorrected, everything I typed, so I was seeing it as it was happening because I didn't know my name. I didn't know anything. It was awful. I didn't know my parents' name. And then, you know, my, my poor parents went through a lot. And then a year and a half, actually, the saddest part of this whole story is, you know, I, I recovered and I'm fine and 
24 years old. I bounced back and went back to skating and everything was fine. But a year and a half after I had my stroke, my, well, before this, my parents were tested and my whole family was tested because they said, we think it could be genetic. We're not sure. There's not real, you know, knowledge of it, but we think you should get tested and we think your family should get tested, you know, test your cousins, test your aunt and uncles. So my, my mom and my dad go and they take these things called a bubble test. And my mom finds out that she has a hole in her heart. And my dad, they say, go live your life. You're totally fine. No hole in your heart. But Linda, you know, you're going to have to be careful because as you get older, you are at a higher risk for stroke. So a year and a half after I had my stroke, my dad had a stroke. And it turns out he had been misdiagnosed. He had a hole in his heart. He had emergency heart surgery. And my dad is okay today. But all three of us have it. So it's been a wild ride. It was a really wild ride for a few years there. And now, thank God, touch wood, everything has calmed down and everyone's okay. The year's 2012. You're at that stage, right, like you said, that you couldn't read or write. You've suffered with a stroke. What made you want to get back on the ice rink? Or did you think, actually, this isn't for me. I need a quieter life. I need to stop. To be honest, I didn't want to, but I had the day that I found out that I had a hole in my heart, the day that I went in for this, there's this procedure called a TEE, a transesophical echo, where they put you to sleep and they stick a tube down your throat and they like basically just scope around and see what's in there. And that morning, I didn't know I was having that, but I, I woke up in the morning and I had an email and it said, congratulations, you have been accepted to the Dutch Dancing on Ice. Here is your contract. Here's your um, hotel accommodation, blah, 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 right? And I was like, oh, my God, this is it. This is my big break. I've always wanted to do TV. I can't freaking wait. This is incredible. So my mom and I went into the hospital that day. Now, this is like, I think, 12 days after my stroke. And we're going, you know what? She's recovered too quickly for this to have been a stroke. They must be wrong. This last test, let's just get it out of the way. Um, so I went in and they said, actually, we need to do this test now because we're a little bit concerned. And my mom and I were like, this was a migraine. Maybe it was a panic attack. And we didn't know what had happened to me, but we knew that I was regaining consciousness fully. I was using my right side. The numbness was subsiding and, you know, my speech was getting back, was coming back to normal. Um, and so we went in for that last test and I said, fine, just do it now because I've got a TV show that I need to get to in three weeks. And they were like, okay, great. So they put me to sleep. And when I woke up, the heart surgeon was there, and she said, you know, my name's Dr. Costanza. Um, we need to do emergency heart surgery on you. You have, you have options. You can either not have the surgery, and we'll give you blood thinners for the rest of your life, um, but you cannot skate. So you cannot be near a blade where you could potentially bleed out or cut yourself or anything like that. You will bruise like a peach. Or we can turn around and we can do the surgery, um, and You'll, we'll go in laparoscopically. There's a new procedure that's been out for the last four years, and we can we can treat this really well, and you'll be able to leave here in a couple of days. And I just said, I don't care what you do, but do the surgery because I have a TV show I have to go on to. <laughs> and she was like, what? Um, so basically that was my priority because I didn't, you know, I think you're in denial for a really long time, especially having a stroke. You, your brain is rewiring, and it's there's all these signals that you that are going through your head and you don't even know what's happening once you've had a stroke. You, you're not even the same person at all. So I just said, get it fixed. So they fixed it. And I went on to that TV show three weeks later, but I was horrified to skate. My first day back on the ice was like nine days after my surgery and I couldn't do anything. I didn't even, I could hardly step on the ice. I cried through the entire thing. The, the ice manager at the rink that I grew up in knew the situation and gave me the ice to myself to let me, figure it out and to see if I would get back on the ice. He knew I had had a stroke, knew I had surgery. 
Um, and I got on the ice and I had a breakdown and I was like, I can't do this. And I went home and told my mom and she gave me a lot of tough love crying on the kitchen floor. And she's like, you can do this, get it together. This is not going to hold you back. And yeah, three months to the day we won. <laughs> Incredible. And that wasn't the only time you won. Obviously you won the yeah. UK <laughs> version with Joe Swash after you'd already danced with Brian McFadden and Cam Setton. I obviously, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people listening are going to say, you know, you won it last year. Why are you not in it this year? Obviously, you've answered it on YouTube, and you, as you said, that you don't know the exact reason why. It was just they I wanted don't. to fresh it up. How does it make you feel now that the series is on again and you're not part of it? How does it make you feel? I mean, it's not easy, if I'm honest, Johnny. Like, it's not. I love that show so much, and I think I have a different love for that show because of what it gave me, you know. Dancing on Ice, like I like that story I just told you, Dancing on Ice was a massive part of my recovery. My partner on the Dutch show, I I genuinely believe he is the reason why I'm back to normal because he treated me so well and he was so respectful and he he wanted to win that show for me. He had no motive to win the show for himself. He knew that I had just had the stroke and I had gone through hell and I had just bounced back from it and that I came to skate with him. So he felt like he owed it to me to win because I, you know, I'm, I'm competitive. So we won that show and that show changed, changed my life. Like it got me back on my feet. It made me feel like I was a human again. And when I came back from winning that show is when I went through the depression and the, you know, the down part of having a stroke, but it was because of him, I had had this high and I was able to, to be Alice Murphy again. So dancing on ice was this massive part of my life. It was, it was, you know, four years of, a lot of hard work, but the recovery period, my first season on the Dutch version was because of, you know, like the, the feelings that I have for Dancing on Ice are because I recovered with it, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it completely does. It completely does. <laughs> and, and Dancing on Ice for you is, is your medication. And obviously yeah. it was taken away from you quite cruelly. But when you got that message that said you weren't going to do it, and obviously it made the press the next day and we spoke actually on that day that mm-hmm. it made the press what other phone calls went on behind the scenes because obviously the year before that james jordan from strictly come dancing came over and did dancing on ice did you get a call from strictly then or any other show to say right we've seen the news we know you're going to be free next january do you want to do our show i'll be honest i went off the radar <laughs> i did not put my phone on my phone was off after it happening because i just I just needed a little bit of a break because I understand the show needs to find new people. They need new faces. Like, how can a show continue without bringing in something new? Um, so, obviously, I was I was devastated, and I just felt like I had done something wrong. You know, did I, did I, I don't know, like, wasn't I not good enough? I, I couldn't think of anything, and I was so heartbroken about it that when I... Obviously, when I released a statement, I didn't want to lie to anyone and to tell anyone, oh, no, I've chosen to leave. Or I really believe in authenticity and I really believe in always telling the truth. And I just said, I don't know why. No one's told me. They said they're getting new faces and this is it. And so it was really hard to release that statement that we put out online. And and I that, you know, my mom read that statement over and over again. And just I was like, Mom, this is how I feel. And I just want to tell the truth. And when it went out, I was so overwhelmed by the response that I got from it. I was so overwhelmed by the amount of love. I did not think that anyone would honestly, Johnny, like give a SHIT about me. Like I didn't think anyone would care. Um, but I just felt like I had to say it and be authentic to myself. So 
I just went off the radar for about two weeks. I didn't answer any phone calls. I had about 45 messages. Joe Swash called two times a day, every day for two weeks until I finally answered it. James Jordan called. Everybody called. Like, I had such great response from all of my partners that I had in the past. I had such great response from all of my friends. Um, but I just chose to, to take a break and take a back seat and, and think about myself and what my future was going to be. Because at this point in time, I didn't know if I'd get to stay here. We were in the middle of a global pandemic. I didn't know if my relationship status would be what it is now because I didn't know if I'd be able to stay in the country. I didn't know if I would have a job, if I'd have a career. I didn't know if anybody cared. And so I did just take a back seat and I, I just didn't answer anything. And I, you know, left it up to agents and things like that. And I said, call me in a couple of weeks when I've calmed down. <laughs> and mentally, what did that do for you? How, how low did you get? Because there's one thing switching off your phone, but then your mind is going into overdrive. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there were a lot of tears in the beginning. The first couple of days I was in a lot, you know, there were a lot of tears, but um, I just have such a good group of people around me. I have amazing parents and an amazing family and amazing boyfriend and all of his friends. And they were like, you know, Al, everything happens for a reason. And I'm the biggest believer in that. I've always believed it. You know, last season I had Michael Barrymore. He broke his wrist. I auditioned with Radzi. He didn't want to skate with me. He chose to skate with his, his other partner um and then i end up with joe swash and we win the whole thing he was in last place when i got him and we win so it was all meant to be for a certain reason and now i kind of just feel you know everything had to happen the way that it did so that i could get offered celebs go skating like that's actually the path that i want to go down i had nowhere else to go on dancing on ice because we had won the season before and yes i would have loved to have gone back and yes that show is my family and i cannot say a bad word about it. I love Dancing on Ice, and I'm so proud of the show that it is, and I, I think it's an incredible, incredible show. But I think that maybe it was just my time to go. You know, I've, I've done the show four times, and I've come in fourth twice, and I've won twice, so I don't really have anything else to prove, I feel, with that show. I do definitely want to try Strictly, though. <laughs> if Strictly wants to call, I'll say yeah. <laughs> Have you had any calls from Strictly? And would you do Strictly as a professional dancer or as a celebrity dancer? Oh, no, I'm not half as good as those professionals. You have to train for years to be like them. They're incredible. I'd have to, I don't know anything, the first thing about ballroom dancing. I can, like, you know, step touch in a club, but I don't think I can ballroom dance. <laughs> Well, look, I want to see you back on Strictly, but you mentioned you've got a boyfriend, part of Woody and Kalini, my favourite TikTokers. Um, obviously, you know them, but it's got talent. How's it being in a public relationship like that where everyone is looking at you? You know, their following on Instagram and TikTok is incredible. Obviously, you've got a massive following as well, but, you know, at their level, do you feel pressure uh, to live a certain way or do you feel like because the two of you aren't seen on TV every day that because it's on social media, it's not taken as seriously with the press. Um, I'll be honest. So like we, we waited for a while because I was like, I don't want anyone to, you know, say anything about us. Also, you know, you're the young single one on the show. We, we met on coach trip and we absolutely had the best time ever. And then we came back home and he was like, do you want to go for dinner? And that's kind of how it all started. We just became such good friends. And we, we had been dating for a while until Dancing on Ice. And I didn't really say anything to anyone and neither did he. We just kind of kept it quiet because we didn't, we wanted to make sure she, we were secure in our relationship before we let anyone know, because like you said, it is a massive public platform that they have. 
Um, and he actually, it's too funny. He, again, believes that everything happens for a reason. And he bought a flight to come back from L.A. They were filming in L.A. He bought a flight to come back from L.A. on like the sixth week of the show, knowing that I would make the final without me ever making the final. And he just bought his flight to be there. And he was there for the final for me to see it. And I think that was actually the first time people realized that we were actually a couple. And we just kind of, you know, we've gone, we're really, really lucky. We've, we've had this time in lockdown to spend more time together as well. And then that's kind of how we we slowly established that we were an item and we allowed it to be seen in the public eye, if that makes sense. But we don't really even credit it as the public eye. We're just two people on Instagram. <laughs> and that's what I like. I mean, obviously, this year's been a hard year, but there's no red carpets. But there's authenticity between the two of you. It's not like mm-hmm. you're getting papped left, right and centre coming out of Children Firehouse or being in Dubai at the moment together. <laughs> No, we would not be going to Dubai together. <laughs> We're just going to the grocery store and hanging out and playing with our puppy. But I feel like I got really lucky to have him and his, you know, his team around me because, if anything, I I used social media for the last three years on Dancing on Ice to pretend I was perfect to show everybody, oh, you know, here's a perfect little figure skater. And then I met my boyfriend and. He was like, well, why don't you show people the real side of you? This is what you're at. You're actually a lot goofier than most people realize. And I actually remember Kim saying that to me once. Your Instagram's changed. Now it's actually you. It's not you pretending to be this perfect facade of here's the picture perfect figure skater. You have to look great all the time. You always have to have makeup on. So I kind of felt liberated once I decided not to put so much pressure on Instagram and social media to depend to depict who I was it actually you know my friends and family are like oh my god this is you we're finally seeing the real you online <laughs> I completely agree with you I completely agree and I love that you love the flips uh chocolate pretzels because I can eat bags and bags of them especially when they're one pound in the shops um, oh my god I went through like three bags of those <laughs> they're amazing they're absolutely amazing um Alex is there anything that people don't know about you that you want to say now I mean this podcast security Institute, is all about you and this is an, a chance for you basically to say look you might not know about this about me, but this is me. And if you didn't know this about me, come and listen to this. This is my story. This isn't a quick, here's a newsline out of a newspaper. That's a whole article. This has been, you know, an extended chat of your life story, effectively. What do you want people to know that they don't know about you yet? Oh, God, I don't know. I think I would say that I'm really... The one thing that not a lot of people know about me, I guess, is that I really believe in law of attraction and I believe that everything happens for a reason. Like, you know, I am such a firm believer in that, that it's really hard and you can get knocked down with it often. But I believe that I, I was an aspect of Dancing on Ice because celebs go skating was in, in the future for me and that was meant to happen. I believe that, you know, my boyfriend and I had to meet on coach trip in order for me to be moved here to London with a puppy and a house, you know, things like that. But I think a lot of people think that, life is is so easy and and for these quote celebrities that they see online but i truly believe that you manifest what you what you want and i i reach forward in the future to things because i've manifested it i believe that i wanted to win dancing on ice the the british one so badly that i made it all happen somehow <laughs> i don't know if that's like some sort of sorcery or something but no that, it I is really, as one i really believe in that as Rhonda Byrne says in the book The Secret, there is that whole story yes. of law of attraction. And, you know, Celebs Go Skating, it's made by a production company, Inside Track. You've had people on it like Kelsey Stratford, who's been on this podcast, Anthony Costa, who's been on this podcast. Basically, everyone who's been on this podcast, you've had on it. <laughs> Amy Tapper. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, do, have you had those conversations about it becoming a TV show? 
We have. I'll be honest. We have. And, you know, again, I'm kind of manifesting it that way. Sleds Go Skating started out as inside track. And uh, the writer-director, Sheridan Demeyer, saying, we've got this thing. We want to work with you. We really like you. And this was back in August um, of this year. And when things had kind of opened up, I worked for them. And they said, we've got this idea. Um, let's just sit down and have a chat. And then this, this Sleds Go Skating came to form and developed. And the team at the inside track wanted to put this online. And this is what we were going to do. And now there's been just so much talk about it going to TV or Amazon or Netflix. And we're already were commissioned for season two. And I, I honestly, I believe that it had to happen this way with me not doing Dancing on Ice because I never would have been able to film Sleds Go Skating. I never would have been able to have won the time or energy to do it. But also, it just it wouldn't have worked in in terms of scheduling with all the bubbles that everyone has to be in with Dancing on Ice. So, and Celebs Go Skating is actually what I've wanted to do since I was 17, 18 years old. I wanted to be a presenter. I wanted to be um, actually a sports presenter, which is too funny. I wanted to be the next, you know, I still want to be the next Holly Willoughby. <laughs> so slowly, they when they gave me this opportunity to do Celebs Go Skating, I was like, this is it. This is my my one chance to try it out and I hope it goes okay. And we're, we've just been so overwhelmed and humbled by the response that it's gotten. It's just done so well. And it's on a platform that um, is a new platform, the inside track. And I do think, I, I really believe that it, it will be on TV faster than we think it will. So if it, because at the moment you've got quite a lot of control over it, it's amazing reality stars that we know and love. Obviously if it goes to Netflix and Amazon, you won't be allowed to get away with that. And obviously a production company, even though it's inside track, it will become a bigger thing. What TV channel are you hoping it will be on? And do you think they will want to change it? Or would you say, no, it has to stay like this. It has to be reality stars. It has to be me. And it has to be filmed in this way. You know, I don't know. I think that that's all, all left up to the production team and everyone at inside track. But We've had a lot of talks with some TV people and some TV companies have come in for it and, and spoken about it. And I, my goal, my dream is that it's Netflix or Amazon. I would rather hold out and wait for a Netflix or Amazon for it to go and be a binge series that you just sit with your girlfriends and watch a binge series of, of you know, celebs kind of telling the truth about everything because they're too focused on the skating that they forget what they're saying. <laughs> I love that. Have you had a conversation with Netflix yet? Not yet, but we've got some things in the works. So there's there's a good future ahead for Celebs Go Skating. I'm really, really excited. There's not too much I can say about it now. and But once season two starts filming, we'll, we'll be able to tell you a little bit more. So you've got some questions from some fans, Alex, who have sent me some little DMs on at Johnny Seafan at Skiddy and Skier Podcast on Instagram. Uh, first one is from Mary McGraw. Uh, will you ask Alex Murphy if she would ever be a judge on Dancing on Ice? Oh, wow. I've never actually even thought about that, but... Yeah, I guess I, w- I would do it. I think I think it would be hard to um, it would be hard to be a judge and not just see the skating and not just see you know as as a skater I always wanted to impress Torvald Dean, but I also really identify with the John Barrowman and the Ashley Banjo role. Like I'm all about the entertainment, so I I, w- I would do it. I definitely would do it. I would say. Well, Anton Debat did an amazing job on Strictly, is and like you said, you know, you've got that thing that you know what the dancers actually going through. Christine Kinsman, we've already discussed on it, but uh, she said you were her favourite pro dancer. Why weren't yeah. you on it? But um, that's really nice. Uh, and one more, Gracie says, uh, "Where are you most excited to travel to when this is all over? It'll be your first holiday with your boyfriend, no?" 
oh my god i think i'd just be happy to go anywhere and you know to be honest i haven't explored all of the uk yet i haven't been able to see all the things that i want to see I, i think i've seen a lot of the north but i'd love to go to the lake district i'd love to go see you know so many more places i am obsessed with the crown i don't know if you've ever seen the netflix show the crown but i'm american and i love the royals so i want to do anything historical once this is all over <laughs> well look the crown they film at elsie studios which is no literally on the road where i live and it's also <laughs> on the road uh, it's, it's it's in the same studios that dancing on ice film was filmed at yeah. before they moved over uh about half an hour away Alex, you've been amazing. Thank you so much for talking to me, Johnny C for Atskilly and Secure. If you've liked what you heard, please do go on Apple iTunes and rate the podcast. What you need to do is give it a five-star rating, leave a comment, and then share it with your friends on social media. And let me know you've listened. And then also go on Security and Secure podcast on Instagram. There's all little teasers there from all the episodes that have come up uh, ever before that I'm putting up there for you with little questions to get you in part of my community. I've been Johnny Seifert. Thank you so much for listening to Security and Secure. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.